God speaks to families. He does not speak just to men. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hemmer. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV, where we are looking at the Bible to listen to what God says to us. This is our 32nd year in doing that. We're going through the entire Bible. Somebody to help us do that is Corey and Ryan. Corey, what's going on? I'm taking a look at who I think is one of the unsung heroes of the time period of David, Joab. Ryan? Did Saul die by his own hand, as 1 Samuel 31 records, or did an Amalekite make to kill, as we read in 2 Samuel chapter 1? It's a good question with a very interesting answer. We'll talk about it in about 20 minutes time. That's absolutely right. Now, I, this is going to be interesting because Joab, that's fascinating. We're talking about <laughs> Joab beforehand. Uh, anyway, Janice, what do you got? It's our fun Friday wrap-up question of the week. I'm going to ask a question anywhere from 1 Samuel chapter 9 to 2 Samuel chapter 3. Be ready. Second Samuel 1, verses 17 through 27. Then David lamented with this lamentation over Saul and over Jonathan his son. And he told them to teach the children of Judah the song of the bow. Indeed, it is written in the book of Jasher. The beauty of Israel is slain on your high places. How the mighty have fallen. Tell it not in Gath. Proclaim it not in the streets of Ashkelon. Lest the daughters of the Philistines rejoice. Lest the daughters of the uncircumcised triumph. O mountains of Gilboa, let there be no dew nor rain upon you, nor fields of offerings, for the shield of the mighty is cast away there, the shield of Saul, not anointed with oil. From the blood of the stain, from the fat of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan did not turn back, and the sword of Saul did not return empty. Saul and Jonathan were beloved and pleasant in their lives, and in their death they were not divided. They were swifter than eagles, they were stronger than lions. O daughters of Israel, weep over Saul, who clothed you in scarlet with luxury, who put ornaments of gold on your apparel. How the mighty have fallen in the midst of the battle! Jonathan was slain in your high places. I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. You have been very pleasant to me. Your love to me was wonderful, surpassing the love of women. How the mighty have fallen, and the weapons of war perished. 2 Samuel chapter 1, verses 17 through 27. Second Samuel 1, 2, and 3. We continue to go through the Bible. This is very, very exciting. Let me tell you something. God speaks to families, not just men. When he communicates his will and his ways as modern people, it seems as though we don't really understand the depths of how God communicates and calls families and establishes his plans through them. The people of Israel were called and identified by their families. 
In the New Testament times, this is true, many Jewish Christians came to know and follow Jesus Christ as Messiah at the cost of their families. They would be disowned by them when they were baptized. So the early church set up step families to adopt and to help them grow in the Lord and discover God's ways. Well, tragically, King Saul's three sons and himself and his arm bearer and all his men died with him on Mount Gilboa. When David heard the news, he did not respond like man had thought he would. He mourned. 2 Samuel 1 records David's response in hearing the report of Saul's death. David's heart is amazing and remarkable. Now remember, David had for many years prayed, God, show me what to do. Show me how to speak. And God's communication with David struck him. And God showed him and grew him to be the king of Israel. He was anointed king many years before. So there's a time of growth that we have that God anoints us for leadership. And, and then what we have to set us apart for, then what we have to do is we have to be trained in the leadership. And that's something that we need to do. The church hasn't done that with social media or anything else. We need to train people how to respond. Very interesting. Now, if you have a Bible guide, turn to today's passage. If you don't, why not? You can get yours by writing to us or calling us or going to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. Click on it. It'll take you to the donate page, and then it'll take you to a page, which is a download file where you can get a file just like we printed, a PDF file. It's excellent, actually. And uh, you can join us. You're seconds away from joining us. So today we're going to pray and ask the Lord to help us. Father, help us today. Help us as we agree to listen to your word. Teach us your way and show us your path. In the name of Jesus Christ, and we said together, amen and amen. Now, 1 Samuel, or rather 2 Samuel chapter 1, verse 17. This is really important. Then David lamented with lamentation over Saul and over Jonathan, his son. And he told them to teach the children of Judah the song of the bow. The song of the bow, indeed, it is written in the book of Jasher. Fascinating. The beauty of Israel is slain on your high places. This is what it says. How the mighty have fallen. Tell it not in Gath. Proclaim it not in the streets of Ashkelon. Lest the daughters of the Philistines rejoice. Lest the daughters of the uncircumcised triumph. Isn't that something? You see, David mourned over Saul. We read his lamentation in the Song of the Bow. Beloved, listen carefully. We must respond correctly when those who trouble us fall and fail. We must respond correctly when those who trouble us fall and fail. Because we need to understand that it is God who leads us. We don't lead ourselves. And we need to be compassionate with everyone. Now, that does not mean that we agree with their sin or any of that. We don't have fellowship with those who are rapidly sinning and doing all kinds of things. But we don't treat them as animals. We don't kick them out of our lives. 
We try to tell them that Jesus Christ will save them and help them. And if they reject us, they reject us. But we need to pay attention. We don't just simply glory when people suddenly fall. Those are people who hurt us, so we're glad. No, don't do that. We pray for them and ask the Lord to help them in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, let's go on to 2 Samuel 1.21, which says, O mountains of Galboa, let there be no dew or rain upon you, nor fields of offerings, for the shield of the mighty is cast away there, the shield of Saul not anointed with oil, from the blood of the slain, from the fat of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan did not turn back, and the sword of Saul did not return empty. Saul and Jonathan were beloved and pleasant in their lives. Listen to what he, how he talks about this. And in their death, they were not divided. They were swifter than eagles. They were stronger than lions. O daughter of Israel, weep over Saul, who clothed you in scarlet with luxury, who put ornaments of gold on your apparel. Listen to how he talks to them. This is amazing. You see, David recalls the royalty and the greatness of Saul, the man who hated David. That's how David responded to him. Because the Lord helps us to forgive, beloved. You know, I, I heard people say, I could never forgive. Well, that's true. You couldn't. But the Holy Spirit through you could, could change you and help you to forgive. Isn't that something? We need to pay attention to that because it's not that we have to do it. We pray and say, Lord, help us to forgive. God will grant that and we will be able to forgive. Very important that we remember that. Now, 2 Samuel chapter 1, verses 25, 26, and 27. Watch this. How the mighty have fallen in the midst of the battle. Jonathan was slain in your high places. I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. You have been very pleasant to me. Your love to me was wonderful, surpassing the love of a woman. How the mighty have fallen and the weapons of war perished. I, I want to tell you something. This is amazing. David is stunning. David reminds us that war is not the preferred way to solve anything. It's not. We must try to avoid fighting. And let me tell you something. In diplomacy, I'll just be honest with you, we should pray first. Before any diplomatic meeting starts, we should, oh God, help us. That's what we should do. Don't go in and talk to them. Pray, God, help us. That's what we need to do. We need the help of God Almighty so that we can go in and talk with the people and we can do some things for the Lord. Beloved, that's the reason that nations should remember to serve God, that people in nations like democracies, that their people should turn towards God. And I would say to you today, come to Jesus in the United States, in Canada, in Britain, in South Africa, in Australia, in New Zealand, wherever you are in Africa, come to Jesus Christ and say, Lord, forgive me of my sin. I need you today. I believe that you died on the cross. We killed you and you rose again on the third day in a miraculous way. And I believe that if you rule in my heart, you can forgive me of my sin. Help me, Lord. Amen. 
Hi, Rod Hembry. We go through the Bible in one year. It's exciting. It's great. And you can join us by searching Bible Discovery TV on your phone. That's right, on your phone, your iPhone or your Android phone. And when you do so, you'll find the app. You can download the app and watch it anytime you want. Never miss a program right here on Bible Discovery TV. We'll see you there. So today, as we begin to get more into the, the story of David, we're getting more into his kingship here at the beginning of 2 Samuel. You can't really talk about David without also talking about the commander of his army, who is Joab. So let's focus in and uh, put together a biblical biography of Joab. Joab was the army commander of famous King David. The Bible dedicates quite a bit of space to recording Joab's life, which taken all together is impressive, brutal, and tragic. The Bible introduces us to Joab in 2 Samuel when David was the king of the tribe of Judah ruling from Hebron. Backing and enforcing David's rule were the many warriors he had acquired during his years fighting for King Saul and then as a man on the run from King Saul. Head of this tried-and-true fighting force of David was his nephew, Joab. Since David was the youngest of seven brothers and two sisters, Joab may have been older, the same age, or younger than his uncle David. And he wasn't the only nephew of David to become a warrior. Joab's brothers Abisha and Azael had also risen to fame in David's military, Abisha as a top commander and Azael as a skilled warrior. The Bible tells us that Joab's climb to commander-in-chief was accomplished by leading the successful assault on Jerusalem, claiming it for David's new capital city. Despite his fame, Joab did make some questionable choices, three of which eventually cost him his life. First, a vengeance killing. When David was at war with King Saul's son and his military commander Abner, who seems to have been pulling the strings, Joab's brother Azael, who may have been unarmed and trying to shame Abner, was killed by him. Later, after David had made a deal with Abner to reunite the kingdom under David, Joab killed Abner to avenge the blood of his brother. Another bold choice came in a war against David's own son, Absalom. Though Absalom was out for David's blood, the king had commanded to take Absalom alive. In battle, Joab ignored this order and killed Absalom. His third brutal act was again likely motivated by a desire to protect David's rule. The man who had led Absalom's civil war against David was named Amasa, and in a probable attempt to unite the country, David had promised to give him Joab's job, commander of Israel's army. As soon as Joab had the chance, he killed him. David either didn't really mind this action or was afraid of Joab's popularity because he gave Joab his job back. It wasn't until the very end of his life when David would tell Solomon to find a way to kill Joab in return. For all accounts and purposes, Joab seems to have been a man of deep loyalty to his uncle, King David, and to the Lord, as he had resisted some of David's ungodly decisions to his face. This loyalty paired with self-preservation made for an interesting life, as do Joab's last actions. He ran to the altar of God for sanctuary. When Solomon ordered him executed anyways, Joab refused to leave, 
preferring to be executed in the presence of his ultimate judge, the God of Israel. There is absolutely no doubt by taking a look at the biblical evidence that this was a very brutal time period in history. And, you know, David was founding a dynasty, though he may not have known that he was founding a dynasty. You know, he was going to be the father of all of the kings of Judah and Jerusalem that would follow after him. Um, so this is a really important uh, time and a really delicate time in Israelite history. And we see all of the danger that that David was experiencing. And and one of the one of the elements when you're reading through the story that is painfully obvious is that Joab was extremely loyal to David and, and to his throne. We see, you know, that motivation being there throughout his reign, uh, throughout David's reign, this, this loyalty of Joab. Neither one of these men were perfect, but I think it's pretty fair to say that without Joab or without someone like Joab really being uh, faithful and loyal to David, David may not have lived long enough or have been able to achieve, you know, what he did during his reign. I agree with you uh, on that part, uh, but I just have trouble with Joab at the end. I do. But anyway, that's another story for another day. Neither well, of them was perfect. Well, well, Definitely. Well, of course. <laughs> of course. But uh, anyway, okay, Ryan, go ahead. All right, well, today I'm dealing with an apparent Bible contradiction between the last chapter of 1 Samuel, chapter 31, and the first chapter of 2 Samuel. And here's the problem. 1 Samuel 31 records that after King Saul was gravely wounded in battle, he committed suicide by falling on his own sword. But then in the very next chapter, which is 2 Samuel 1, we read that Saul was killed at the hand of an Amalekite man at Saul's own request. So the question is, did Saul die by his own hand or by the hand of an Amalekite? Let's find out. In the final chapter of 1 Samuel, we learn of the tragic death of King Saul at the hands of the Philistines. It records how the battle became fierce against Saul. The archers hit him, and he was severely wounded by the archers. Then Saul said to his armor-bearer, Draw your sword and thrust me through with it, lest these uncircumcised men come and thrust me through and abuse me. But his armor-bearer would not, for he was greatly afraid. Therefore Saul took a sword and fell on it. And when his armor-bearer saw that Saul was dead, he also fell on his sword and died with him. Curiously though, when David receives news of Saul's death in 2 Samuel 1 from a young Amalekite, the story is somewhat different. According to him, as he was passing by, he saw Saul leaning on his spear. And indeed, the chariots and horsemen followed hard after him. Now when he looked behind him, he saw me. And he said to me, Please stand over me and kill me for anguish has come upon me, but my life still remains in me. So I stood over him and killed him, because I was sure that he could not live after he had fallen. And I took the crown that was on his head and the bracelet that was on his arm and have brought them here to my Lord. Thus, while 1 Samuel claims that Saul took his own life, in 2 Samuel we read that it was an Amalekite who made the kill. While there have been some attempts at harmonizing these two accounts, such efforts have not been very convincing. For instance, Josephus tried to make the accounts fit each other by claiming that after Saul's armor-bearer refused to kill Saul, Saul tried to fall on his own sword, but he was too weak to do so. Saul turned and saw the Amalekite, who upon the king's request complied and killed him, having found the king leaning in his sword. 
Afterward, the Amalekite took the king's crown and armband and fled, whereupon Saul's armor-bearer killed himself. But recent scholars have pointed out certain flaws with Josephus' harmonization attempt, not the least of which is his taking of the Amalekite at his word. Indeed, the more likely scenario is that 1 Samuel 31's record of Saul's suicide is what actually took place, while the report given to David by the Amalekite in 2 Samuel 1 was a purposeful deception. Old Testament scholar Gleason Archer makes the very important point that the retelling of Saul's death in 2 Samuel 1 is not presented as being an actual record of what happened during Saul's dying moments. It is only a record of what the Amalekite mercenary said had taken place. But the real story seems to be that he found Saul already dead and so stripped him of his crown and bracelet before the Philistines recovered the body. Coming with Saul's crown and bracelet in hand and presenting them before the new king of Israel, the Amalekite obviously expected a handsome reward and high preferment in the service of Saul's successor. But to his great surprise, David summarily sentenced the Amalekite to death for the alleged murder of the Lord's anointed. So this report illustrates a really, really important point that we need to keep in mind as we're reading and studying the Bible. And that is that the Bible will often record what people are saying or doing, and it's accurate about that report, but it doesn't necessarily mean those statements are true or their actions are right. In this case, the Bible is accurately recording what the Amalekite was saying, but what he was saying was a lie. Now we have a similar situation in the book of Job. The Bible accurately records what Job's friends were saying, but some of what they were saying and doing was wrong. And we see that it is the case by God's response at the end of the book to their religious ramblings. He says in Job 38.2, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? That's why when we're quoting or using scripture, it's absolutely critical to understand the context. And that's what the Bible does, it commits itself to truth. But then again, what it does is, is the truth of the, what the person's saying. Yeah, it's a true record of it's what happened. It's not that the yeah. person yeah. was right, but that's right. it's true to what they were saying. Exactly. Uh, and that's where you get into the idea of absolute truth, which right, that's a whole other story on logic. But uh, it's very, very interesting. So the Bible, you just don't just look at it. Mm -hmm. You've got to understand what it's talking about and where it's saying it. That's right, so, because sometimes I've seen people quote certain scriptures out of context, yeah, and, what and it's, it's, it's actually... Right. It's actually um, May, may or may not be uh, the truth, yeah. right? Like yeah. quoting Job's friends. Sometimes some, some of the things that they're saying and the way they're doing it is yeah. not necessarily right. So yeah, just have to watch out for that. Very interesting. Corey, tell us what you're doing on this weekend. Yeah, so every weekend, my husband and I uh, put a chapter-by-chapter -chapter recap up on my YouTube channel, which is just my name, Corey Babetchko. Um, and yeah, our aim is to get you caught up on your reading if you've fallen behind, because we know that it is a big chunk of reading uh, that you're assigned to keep up getting through the Bible in a year. Or I know some people uh, join us because they just want to test their memory and see if they can remember everything that they read. So that's good, too. If you're interested, Interested. Again, it's just my name, Corey Babechko, on YouTube, uh, and we upload every Saturday. Yeah, it's very good. Uh, excellent. With your husband and everything else, it's great. Mm -hmm. Okay. So yeah. testing your memory is part of why we do our Fun Friday wrap-up, which I have a lot of fun, and there's a lot of you that play along with us at home. There are two very 
very special people that are very much a part of our Quick Study Bible Discovery family that don't actually live here, but they watch all the time. In fact, Amy is the person that does all of the captioning for our programs. And Amy and her son, Ben, were listening very carefully a couple of times last year when I made mention of something that I wished that I had at the end of a Bible IQ question or this fun Friday wrap up. So I'm going to try to pull that out today. We're going to see if it works. So Amy and Ben, I hope you're watching and I hope this works. So All right, Corey and Ryan and everybody at home, how many days did Goliath come and present himself morning and night to the Israelite army? Was that 20 days, 30 days, or 40 days? What do you think? What do you think? Don't look at me. I'm not saying it. I didn't do anything. Yeah, we're pretty confident. Yeah, that's what I would... Yeah, yeah, we're going to go with 40. 40 days? All right. Well, you at home, if you agreed with Ryan and Corey, you would be absolutely right. And the verse to coincide that would be 1 Samuel 17, verse 16, that says, And the Philistine drew near and presented himself 40 days, morning and evening. Well... In celebration of the right answer and in honor of Amy and, and I'm Ben. I'm sitting next to her. And you are sitting next. I've been trying to hide something the whole time and I brought a little weapon. Let's see if it works because I don't even know if it's going to work. Are we ready? Audio, get ready. Oh! oh. It, worked. It, worked. it worked. It worked. It worked perfectly. That, that actually worked it good. It worked very well. That was our Fun. confetti. And I don't know if you viewers at home remember me saying a few times, oh, if we only had poof confetti. Well, there was our poof confetti <laughs> there for was. the day. And I Congratulations. Got a program, so we we'll, just, this. we'll just sweep it away a little bit, but that's okay. Thank you, Amy and Ben, for such a, being so thoughtful and for listening really, really well. What a great treat. And so I have, I think, probably five more of those. So <laughs> during the course of the so year, be looking for the balloon. you never know. And maybe we'll have Chris running behind and we'll have to come up with different ways of, uh, <laughs> of the uh, confetti balloons. The, the, the popping of the balloon, balloon with confetti. Yes. Very good. Thank you, Amy. <laughs> All right. Very good. Thank you for joining us and being a part of this. We're going to continue on now as we learn more about the Word of God. Today, we pray at the end of the program and let's join our hearts in prayer together. Lord, I pray for the world. Help us, oh God. Help me and the rest of the world to know who you are. And I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that you would move in a supernatural way. Bring people to you, Lord. Bring them to you today. In Jesus' wonderful name, And all of us said together, very important, all of us together said, amen.